0: praise the lord amen thank you veterans for all of your service i so appreciate it i served for 9 years and 4 months myself in the air force and for those of you that are in the military um, in the marines you would, would not call us the air force you would call us the chair force but you know we're celebrating our independence from being a colony of the uh, of the nation uh, of the british empire if you would england and uh, they put so many stringents and laws and taxes on the colonies, 13 colonies, which is pretty much the East Coast, uh, especially where I'm from in Boston, New York area, uh, that they barely could make a living, they barely could scrape together, they were not allowed to do imports and exports outside of doing business with with, uh, the British government until one day, 56 guys just got together and said, you know, enough's enough and they developed an independent statement and said that we are now independent as a, as a separate country from Britain. Those 56 people, uh, they took their lives in great harm's way. Um, most of the 56 got killed by the British government. If not, they lost everything that they had. Not all of them, but most of them. They lost their homes, divorces, they were hurt, they were killed, they were, um, they were ignored, and they were not... Um, especially from the, the British uh, sympathizers that were in the colonies. They just didn't do business with them. And so because of their sacrifices, uh, we were able to, to this day, enjoy Independence Day, a day that we can commemorate, that we have been separated from, the, at that time, the vast British government, which they had sayings in those days, which was uh, that the sun never set Uh, on the British Empire, that they ruled the seven seas, if you would, and so now, today, we enjoy what they have done for us, and so it is even with your families. Uh, Many of us here uh, that have been saved uh, for generations now, and you have grandchildren and children that are learning that you become independent from the sin and and the devil, and that you can show the liberation and the freedom that you have, that you can show your generations to come, for all the work that you have done, you should just look around just for a little bit and see that generations just poured out from you because of the hard work that you did many, many years ago. Can you give the Lord a great big hand clap to that? Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to preach to you about something that, um, it's, it's rather humorous at the same time. It's, uh, It means a lot to me. I preached it in my own church. Maybe it was last Sunday. I preached it just the last service here today. I want to preach to you on on this title. What's on your clothesline? What is on your clothesline? I want to refer to the book of Genesis chapter number 3 and verses 6 through 11. And the scriptures say this, and this is the setting where Adam and Eve are going to eat from the fruit of the tree. And uh, their eyes are going to be opened, and they're going to see that this entire time, they've had no clothes on. And I want to talk about that. I want to just kind of zero in on how in the world did they not recognize that before, and what was the big difference after biting into the proverbial apple. So here we go. The woman was convinced. In other words, Eve was convinced. She's going to eat this apple now. I know it's not necessarily an apple, I don't know what it was, I don't know, uh, neither do you, and I'm not philosophical, Uh, some folks believe it might be an apple, some some traditionalists have written down it was a pomegranate, Uh, some say it wasn't even just one one piece of fruit, it was a gathering of fruit, Uh, some will try to make it into something very, very deep theologically, I'm a very simple man, It says a fruit of the tree, it's a fruit of the tree. So here we go. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that would give her, that the fruit would give her. So she took some of the fruit and and, and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, meaning Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called out to the man, where are you, Adam, where are you? And, and, And Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I I was naked. And uh, the Lord says, who who told you 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 were naked? Uh, The Lord said, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I've commanded you not to eat from? And once again, I wanna preach to you on what's on your clothesline. For those of you that are too young to actually have a history of clotheslines, but you have seen clotheslines in movies or television, or maybe some reasonable facsimile what a clothesline is. I was born in 1956. My father died when I was nine, and he was only 38. My mother was 27 when my father died, and so she raised me and my two younger siblings, my brother and my sister, she raised us until we were independent from her much, much later on. Uh, She was not an educated woman. She had no skill at all, and No one would have thought that their husband of 38 years old would have died. And so she wasn't prepared for that. So she scraped together as best as she could. Well, in those days, most people didn't have a wash and a dryer, especially my family. My mother would wash uh, our clothes in the tub or in the sink. and I would watch her do it and really didn't really have a mind that we were poor. I didn't know. I didn't know that we were going without I always had a great, a great life. I thought I did, but when I see pictures, woo-hoo-hoo, yeah. we were so poor we couldn't pay attention. We were poor. Yeah. We were so poor that we would staple a slice of bacon on the ceiling of our living room and we would run around and lick the shadows. <laughs> That's how poor we were. We were poor. And anyways, uh, my mother would hang, like most people, hang clothes on a clothesline. Now in New York and Boston, it's a very urban area, I'm a city boy, so we had uh, connections of our pulleys that were connected to across the alley to the next apartment complex. So you would drill in the pulley on her side or their side, but you would also have to give way to theirs so that they could do their pulley thing and you do yours, and you would hang all your clothes out for everyone to see what you got. Right. Everything was out there for everyone to see. And this is where the sermon comes from, what's on your clothesline. Everybody could see your neighbors and drive buyers and walker buyers and, of course, your neighbors. Now, if you had more than one of these clotheslines, uh, you had the ability to kind of hide your... Um, the non-mentionables, the clothes that were intimate clothing. You would hide them because on the outside lines, you would put sheets and towels. And it acted like a wall, so you couldn't see what was going on in the middle. And this is where the unmentionables would be put in. However, my mother uh, didn't do that. She had a rack, a wooden rack, in the living room, right in front of the window where you would have the The thingy, No, not living room, it was a kitchen. And uh, she would hang all of the underwear on these racks, or she would just cover the entire shower bar, uh, the shower curtain bar, with all the intimate, all that sort of thing. But most people often didn't really take that much pain to hide all this stuff. You knew driving by if there was babies in that home because you would see onesies hanging. Or you would see diapers drying. Yes, in our days, we did not have pampers. We didn't have anything disposable diapers at all. No, that was not a thing, especially in the 50s. And even if they did have a thing like that, we, we could never afford that. We used diapers, cloth diapers with pins. So we'd lay the baby down, and we would fold it kind of in a way that it would be like a triangle, and then we'd pin it. Uh, I don't know how these babies are living. Uh, they, they, they live We're, It was like an IV every time we gave them a a, a diaper. And so we would pin them on the sides, and and then that's how we did it. And so you would wash them, and it wasn't as uh, easy to dispose of the stink as it is today. So we would know if you had babies in your house by just seeing your clothesline. We would know if there were women in your home, children's clothes, men's clothes, men's work outfits, and different things like this. Everybody knew your business, because it was hanging out there for everyone to see. Now in Boston and New York, it was a little difficult, it was very difficult during the winter months, and because Boston is very, very high, it's like up there where Maine and uh, uh, New Hampshire is, so it's really cold up there. So when you're bringing in your Levi jeans or something, Literally, and there's no hyperbole here, you literally, it's, it's frozen. You would just lean it against the wall. And what was bad about this is that it really never dried. So lots of families left their clothes out to dry for weeks at a time. They just never brought them in. And of course it wasn't aesthetically appealing There was no curb appeal, if you would, in the areas where I am from, uh, in in the projects uh, where, you know, the government subsidies and all those kinds of things that my mother couldn't afford it without any help. And so because of that, she wouldn't bring in all those clothes. She would just leave it out for the air to blow it and just hope that maybe she would bring it in and feel it and then send it right back out again. And this is the problem with many of us. And here's the association. The Lord God Almighty has shown me that in these last days, the Lord is clothing you with a couple of outfits. You already know this. The first outfit that he's clothing you, and I'll go over this in a minute, that is a robe, a robe of righteousness that I'll describe in just a few minutes. I believe with all of my heart that Adam and Eve, and this is just me, had an outfit, but it wasn't like clothes on the outside. It was more like an aura. It was more like the sun. And I'll show you examples in the Bible. You don't have to believe this. I'm just going to make a real strong point that is very biblical, but not this part. This part, you can take it or leave it, whatever you want. But as soon as their eyes were opened, they fell into sin, and they began to die right there. The Bible says if you eat from the fruit of the tree, you will die. And they began to die. They began to decay immediately. Not like, de- they didn't do one of those numbers. But they began to age. And they had death in their future. But there must have been something about them that was robed with the glory of God. That had the eminence maybe of even of the sun that shines. It's the beauty. And there's many descriptions about how Adam and Eve actually did look. Because they were always in the presence of God Almighty. Each and every night, they walked in the cool of the evening, walking with God, that God so enjoyed in the evenings talking to Adam and talking with Eve. And But this day came where it was called the fall. They fell into sin. And mankind, from that day on, had to wear clothes. There was never any clothes for man before that. So God had actually killed animals... In order to give them coats of skin, like fur coats, or maybe uh, like kill the buck, maybe, and use the buck. And this was a type and shadow that for every sin that is committed, blood had to be shed. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Can I get a praise of the Lord from anybody? But you've got another outfit, and that outfit is not just the robe of righteousness, but and I'm just covering this just for a couple of minutes. I'm not going to belabor this because I know you know your Bible real well, most of you. And that is you are also clothed with armament, um, like a Roman soldier outfit. It is very defensive in design, and it's very offensive in design. While you're sleeping, you are protected because you have... The breastplate of righteousness. You have the robe, you you have the shield of faith, you have the helmet of salvation, you have the sword of the Word of God. Here's a little sidebar. You also have um, something quite interesting. Your feet are shod, or you wear your shoes, which are resembling the word peace. The shoes of peace. And that's quite interesting because. That is a question I want to ask you at this juncture. Do those shoes still fit? Because we're living in a time and a day right now that the Bible says as we get close to the Antichrist, as we get close to the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon, the Bible says that little by little there's going to be a mounting of iniquity all around the world. In other words, great crime and perversion will be reeking from from coast to coast. But something terrible happens to the church during that time. The Bible says it like this, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. In other words, we will stop becoming, well, endeared. We'll stop loving. We'll stop being angry and bitter. We'll be more... Um, enraged against people that don't think like us or believe like us. We're going to forget where we came from, if you would. And I'm seeing this thing politically. and I'm not going to talk to you about politics, but they teach us how to be angry with each other. You watch a certain channel of the news, and, and they give you a mind full of rhetoric, and, and you take that and attack the opposition with that, and, and you just go back and forth, regurgitating anger that you've learned from people that are not even in the church. Can I get a praise of the Lord at all? So the question remains, does the shoes of peace still fit? Because if they don't fit anymore, that means the church is not experiencing a lot of peace that is part of our equipment, that there should be something about you that you're clothed with peace, not with anger, not revenge. You're not clothed with debate. You're not clothed with an intention of destroying somebody's belief system and crushing them and being angry about it and then brag to somebody how you crushed them on Facebook. Because I don't think that that's how we're supposed to be clothed. Because once we start clothing ourselves like that, we're starting to receive wisdom and knowledge from somebody that is not from the Holy Spirit. We'll be very much like Adam and Eve who lost their clothes. They lost the clothes that I'm going to describe to you halfway down this page. What I believe that you and I are actually clothed with little by little. Because I will say this, and this is biblical, that as we get closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he will start separating. He'll start separating kind of like the sheep from the goats. The tares from the wheat. He'll start separating us. The sheep are are a type of Christian that love to be with the flock, love to be with the church people. They don't like to be independent. They don't want to be by themselves out there. They don't feel safe out there. Wolves love stragglers on the outside periphery of of flocks. They sit on the tops of mountains and they wait diligently for a, a sheep or a lamb to wander off because he thinks he's all that. My preaching good. Sheep want to remain in the pasture. They want to remain in church. They love the shepherd. They love the protection. However, goats are different. They're also in the church. But they love to escape. They're rascals. They love to escape. I'm sorry, my Boston accent. I heard you say, what did he say? He he likes to, they like to F- slip through the, uh, uh, the post of a fence. They like to jump over the fence. They figure things out. They like to be alone. They kind of wander off on their own self. They cause riffraff. Am I preaching to anybody here? They'll eat anything. My father-in-law had goats. They eat anything. Okay, sheep just don't eat anything. Sheep eat the word of God. Goats will eat anything. Any wind of doctrine. Can I preach to you today? But he'll, he'll separate because this scripture, this is very important. He'll start separating you and he's separating us even right now. He says in the last days, the righteous will be more righteous still. And the unrighteous will be more unrighteous still. In other words, the gulf in between the good and the bad. The ones that are hot for God and the ones that are cold for God there will be a clear, direct understanding. It won't take a brain scientist to, to figure out where you are in the Lord. Because the Bible brings out that the deception, listen to me really carefully about I'm about to show you, that the deception is so acute that as we get closer and closer toward the end, the Bible brings out that if he did not shorten the days, beginning and end, If he didn't shorten it and stop it, even the elect, meaning yourself, you would be unsaved too. If he would have kept pushing, pushing, pushing beyond 2030, beyond 2040, 2050, 2060. If he would have pushed, pushed, pushed past 70 years old, past 75 years old. I think that the Bible says that the elect would barely escape. That no one could escape and that is the reason why he shortened the days there's gonna be a clear delineation between the saved and the unsaved, between the clothed and the unclothed. What's on your clothesline? Because there are some clothes that we have out there. I I was, I preached this uh, a a few Sundays ago, whatever it was, I don't know. Uh, When I was preaching this, uh, a man came into my office and he was crying. He says, I've been backslidden for 30 years. He says, I was in Starbucks just a few days ago, and I saw your daughter. I didn't know it was your daughter at the time, but I saw your daughter on on a laptop, and she was doing her college work. And she just looked up and said, hello, would you like to go to church with me? Now, this guy's like in his 60s or 50s, backslid for 30 years, Pentecostal from birth. 30 years backslid, started to cry right there. He says, I would love to come to church with you. He finally comes into my office and he says, I have hung out my clothes on the clothesline for 30 years for everyone to see, and I was not ashamed anymore. He says, I, I, I was living for the devil, and I didn't even try to hide it anymore. I cussed, I swore, I got drunk openly in public, I chased skirts, and I hung around with guys that chased skirts, and women that chased men. He says, for 30 years, I didn't care what anybody thought of me. He says, but I remember a day when what I was wearing was important, and how I talked in public was important, and how I presented to myself, because I didn't want anybody to falter because of me. I didn't want to try to teach somebody, oh, it's okay, you can eat from the fruit of the tree, you're not gonna die, it's okay, you can watch that, you can turn that, you can touch that, you can chase that, you're not gonna die. As a matter of fact, my goodness, it's all knowledge, it's all wisdom. Don't you want wisdom, don't you want knowledge? Wouldn't you like to know more about these things? What's on your clothesline? He stood there crying and he says, I'm taking my clothes in and I'm going back. And I just want to thank you and your daughter for saving my life. The Bible says some save with compassion. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Can I get a praise the Lord from anybody? Praise the Lord, amen. In Exodus chapter number 28 and verse number 3, this is the story about God choosing the first high priest. When God chose the first high priest and his name was Aaron, I'm excluding Melchizedek here, but Aaron is being chosen and clothes are going to be crafted. Listen to this scripture. God is speaking. Instruct all the skilled craftsmen, tailors, who I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, All of this for one outfit. Have them make garments for Aaron, the high priest, that will distinguish him as a priest set apart for my service. I wonder, do you realize that God is distinguishing you from everybody in the whole wide world that is a non-believer? He is tailoring a way where People will want to know, what is it that you have that I do not have? Unless, of course, what's on your clothesline is a lot of complaining, a lot of backbiting, a lot of filthiness and dirtiness. Unless your clothes are in public, at the workplace, in the field, at the water cooler in your office or wherever you are in your neighborhood, and no one can tell that God has assigned angels to craft a clothing, an aura about you that gives off this eminence that the naked eye cannot see. You see, this is what I believe that Adam and Eve had. They were, and I'll show you here in Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 1. This is about a woman that is clothed with the sun. And it is the description of the church of the living God. It says in Revelation 12 and 1, Then I witnessed, John said, in heaven, an event of great significance. I saw a woman, the church, clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet. Now, did she have clothes underneath the sun? I don't know. But it is not significant enough right here. Because if you took the sun away from her... Would she be naked? And I believe that she would be. I believe that many of you, though you have obviously clothes on the outside, God is overlapping and crafting clothes for you to, re- to wear as a glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is enveloping many people these days where they are so unbelievably different now. You're taking the Our Father more seriously than you ever have. And I'll show you why. At the end of the Our Father, and if you haven't taken this seriously, you might want to use this. It says, and keep us from temptations. That simple line in these days has become very, very pertinent to the ears of God. So for those of you that are struggling greatly with temptations, say these things to the Lord. Keep me, Lord, from temptation. It's just that much more of a clothing of the sun. Can anybody say praise the Lord? Amen. There's another example in Numbers chapter number 20 in verses 25 through 26. And it says, now take Aaron. You, you saw how Aaron had beautiful clothes that were crafted on him. It was worth seven million dollars in 1975 currency. He had a breastplate that had 12 stones, one of them was a diamond, the, uh, sapphire and, and emeralds and rubies. It, it, this, this outfit is like unbelievable. Seven million dollars in 1975 currency. This is how long I've been studying this outfit. This is a bad to the bone outfit. Yeah. And it was crafted by the wisdom of God. Talk about a New York designer. <laughs> Aaron is dying. His son is taking over, Eleazar, And Eleazar is going to receive the clothes. And it says, remove Aaron's priestly garments. And put them on Eleazar." There's got to be something about the Old Testament real clothes that is really important for the New Testament spiritual clothes. There's something about you that as God begins to envelop you with spiritual light, with an aura of beauty, but also of defense and offense, that when when you walk into a room, demons will flee. That when you reach out and pray for somebody, that they're immediately healed. Yes. Like Peter, who walked down the street, the Bible says that they couldn't get to Peter to touch him so that they could be healed. So they lined up all the sick beds along the curb so that as he's walking down the road, the shadows would be cast, his shadow would be casted on the sick and the dying, and they would stand up and walk away. Completely healed in the name of Jesus Christ. There's something special happening to the church that's being clothed with righteousness and clothed with the armor of God. This is not something that you're sewing together, this is something that you're standing there and God is setting you aside from everybody else and causing something so beautiful, so majestic. I'll show you something important here. It's in the book of uh, Luke chapter number 8 and verse 44 through 46. This is Jesus walking down the street and there's like a million people all over him. He's just beating them off with a broom because he can't get through and everybody wants to be healed and the 12 apostles, they got a cordon going with 12 guys and they're, they're trying to keep everybody from busting through and crushing him. They want to grab his hair, they want to grab his, his clothes and coming up behind Jesus, this woman touches the fringe of his robe. There's no ordinary fringe. This is a rabbi outfit. And it's got the, it's got the, um, the telis hanging down that shows that he is a rabbi. This is, it, it looks like um, fringes with knots in them. And so as he's going by, she manages somehow to grab a hold of that fringe. But watch this. Immediately the bleeding stopped. She was healed, but watch. He says, who touched me? Now, you've heard this preach before, but I want to show you something new. Who touched me? And Jesus, which Jesus asked, and everyone denied it. I didn't know. You do, I didn't know. And Peter said, Master, I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, this whole crowd is pressing you, pressing up against you. How do you know that one person touched you? No, no, someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power come out from me. Did the woman really touch him? Well, did he touch? She touched the clothes. She touched the clothes because the clothes are important here. Not what you're wearing on your back right now. There's no power in your Levi jeans or your Wranglers. There's no power in your Converse sneakers. But what I'm speaking about, you cannot see. Is it possible that the clothes and Jesus are the same thing to him? Who touched me? You mean who touched your clothes? No, no. Who touched me? There is a time when people often have reported going to heaven in near-death experiences or out-of-the-body experiences. And when they've gone to heaven, even for a short time, they described meeting their loved ones. They, they, they see things there that look like paradise. But what is so ironic is, is that they're wearing white robes. And they're glowing with bright light. And they said this one guy said, it was quite interesting, he says, I didn't know where the, the, his face and neck ended and the robe began, or the robe ended where the face began. It all looked like one piece. Is it possible that even right now as I'm talking to you, that for some of us, God is constructing an outfit so glorious for you right now, though you cannot see it, there's something different about you. Your prayers have been different. And even if your prayers have been different, you have been in anguish, haven't you? Because you feel like you're not praying enough and it's really getting on your nerves and you feel guilty. You can't get your nose out of TikTok, but you wanna pray, don't you? You can't stop watching the show, but you're not praying. And it's bothering you. But it never bothered you this bad, has it? Because there's a desperation that you are now wearing. There's an urgency in the church that you are now wearing. The church has been woken up because somebody yelled in the room, the bridegroom cometh. Yes. 5 was wasn't ready for it. They didn't have the oil. The other five, they had the oil. They've been working this thing for a long time and there's something different about you that you have even been separated even from your own family tree. You've left them. The Bible says that I have come to bring division among you. Separating mothers and fathers and children and parents. I'm I'm causing war, he says. That when he comes back, he says there'll be two in a bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two will be in a field. One will be taken, the other left. Two will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. What what am I saying? I'm trying to show you that God is making a gulf and he's clothing one because the other side won't allow him to clothe them. It's when Jesus threw a feast, a wedding feast, and when he looked around, he saw one guy walking around without a wedding outfit. How did he get in there? And I want to talk to the doorman, the bouncers. How did that guy get in there? So Jesus, or the master, he sends people over, and he goes over and he goes, what's up? What's the deal? Where's your clothes? And the Bible says that he didn't have a word to say. So the master told the bouncers, take him out of here and throw him out into uh, eternal darkness where there's gnashing and gnawing, there's gnashing of teeth and gnawing of tongue. What, is that, what does that mean, Pastor? What I'm trying to show everyone here is that this desperation, this urgency that you've been feeling is nothing more than him clothing you. You're getting ready to get out of here. Yes, You're feeling a sense of breaking the shell. See what I'm doing with the nose? I'm doing the beak. <laughs> is that working? Is it working for you? You, know, get, you feel a, a sense of hope that your time is nigh. You're feeling robed and clothed like the sun. But I have to ask as I open and close my Bible and, and I'm leaving, what's on your clothesline? What are you displaying? It's time. It's time like that man said to me in the office a couple of weeks ago. Pastor, I'm pulling in my clothesline. I'm getting rid of a lot of clothes that I've picked up along the way. And I'm going back. I'm going back to the clothes that the Lord wanted me to wear. Once again, I'm not speaking about your clothes that you're wearing on your back right now. I don't really think that God cares much about that as much as he cares about your spiritual outfit? Yes. Are you concerned about what you're wearing? In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a great big Thank hand you. clap. Praise the Lord, amen. Can I pray for you? I know it's the 4th of July and you gotta beat the Baptist to the, to the lubies. I know that. <laughs> I don't think you're going to beat the Baptists. You might beat, well, the Catholics have already ate and they're napping now. <laughs> Father, I thank you so much. You're such a good God. Thank you. Thank you so very much for clothing us, for tailoring us with craft and with value. Father, we don't see it, but we feel it. We do feel different. We feel an urgency in our spirit that we're being clothed for a wedding, clothed with the sun. We're getting ready, and you have prepared a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, In Jesus' name. name. Turn to somebody and say, What's on your clothesline? Give the Lord a great big hand clap, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.